Welcome to Nathan's School of Thought. I'm Nathan Walker, Global Performance Coach, here to share principles gleaned from decades of teaching, training, and coaching on four continents. Whether you're a senior executive, salesperson, new parent, military leader, artist, musician, head of a nonprofit, or a student, it doesn't matter who you are, only who you can become. Join me each week to have your brain flipped upside down as we move together toward a happier, healthier, and much more productive life. Hello, my friends. In the world in which we live, we often think that there are great things to come and there are terrible things to come. And we're right. We often think that our kids are wonderful and selfish little brats. Some of the time we're right on both. We often think people are good and people are bad. And some of the time we might be right about both of them. But I want to talk to you a little bit about what it is that we actually do to ourselves when we choose which one of these things to focus on. We determine what our future really is. We determine what our level of happiness is. We determine what our level of energy is. And I'll show you a little bit to illustrate what it is that I'm talking about. We'll begin with, are you ready for this one? A verse from the Bible. Now, I don't care if you believe the Bible is the word of God or not. All I care about right now is this verse. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now the word evidence in this verse comes from the Greek word elonkos, which means you're making a case for something. But there's another translation of this Bible verse that I like even better. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We can assure ourselves of things and provide evidence, or we can assure ourselves of things that are not helpful and provide, and I'm going to put evidence in air quotes, evidence that things are going to fall apart. Let me give you an example from the life of Dr. Joe Dispenza. He was out recreating one time and got in a terrible accident. He's the author now of a book called You Are the Placebo. In his account of this accident, after the crash, he said, I would soon discover that I had broken six vertebrae. Now, six is a lot. One of those was in a wedge shape that meant that if he stood up, that wedge-shaped vertebrae would cleave through the other ones and his spine would basically collapse. It would go through the spinal column and he would be paralyzed from the chest down, which didn't seem like a good thing. Other doctors who looked at him proposed all kinds of dire solutions. You know, steel rods in his back, extensive surgeries, things that may or may not be successful at all, and they predicted that he would be miserable for the rest of his life, at least spinally speaking. Now, in the midst of all this, Dr. Zispenza began thinking about the human body and the incredible intelligence that governs all of this. Things that are just so astonishing that to look at even minute details about the replication of cells or the regeneration of chemicals or the, or the creation of a human body from two little cells into trillions denote an intelligent design behind the whole thing. And he decided to focus on that intelligence. Here's what he said about it. Now, this is because he was face down most of the time, so he had a lot of time to think. This is a quote. 
First, every day, I would put all of my conscious attention on this intelligence within me and give it a plan, a template, a vision with very specific orders. And then I would surrender my healing to this greater mind that has unlimited power, allowing it to do the healing for me. And second, I wouldn't let any thought slip by my awareness that I did not want to experience. Unquote. Did you catch that last bit? Not only is he saying, I am going to give myself a plan, I am going to give my mind and my body a very clear picture of what I want to happen, and then let that intelligence guide the healing, but that he wouldn't let any thought slip by his awareness that he did not want to experience. He didn't say that I didn't want to have. That I didn't want to experience. What thoughts do you want to experience? Dr. Dispenza continues, quote, At nine and a half weeks after the accident, I got up and walked back into my life without having any body cast or surgeries. End quote. He then goes on to say that he's been relatively free from back pain from then until now. When he said he wouldn't let any thought slip by his awareness that he didn't want to experience, it brought my mind to the concept of self-fulfilling prophecy. Now, most of you have heard of this. We sometimes use it in casual conversation. I don't know if we really understand what it all means and how incredibly powerful it is, for good or ill. We're talking about the light and the dark side of the force here. Self-fulfilling prophecy according to, this is a quote from Good Therapy in 2015, a self-fulfilling prophecy is a belief or expectation that an individual holds about a future event that manifests because the individual holds it, unquote. That means just thinking that thing produces that thing. Now, that might sound like an oversimplification to you, let me give you an example of a self-fulfilling prophecy we're all familiar with, the placebo effect. The placebo effect is self-fulfilling prophecy. It has to do with our expectation about what the medicine, or in this case, the non-medicine, will actually do. And we tend to see that in a lot of cases, the placebo effect is as effective as the medication it purports to be. Our treatment of other people will often perpetuate our beliefs about the person and affect their behaviors, thus becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. There are many studies, experiments, and anecdotes that show that our expectations influence the outcome. For example, there's some really strong evidence that shows that a person who expects their spouse to cheat on them behaves, though probably not consciously, behaves in a way that perpetuates the cheating. One of the great experiments done on self-fulfilling prophecy and the power of our minds to produce a certain outcome was done by Robert Rosenthal and Lenore Jacobson in the 1960s. They chose at random, this is a completely random selection, they chose a group of public school children at random and told the teachers that these children had taken a test called the Harvard Test 
of inflected acquisition, and that they were growth spurters, is what they called them. They were said to have great potential to outperform the other students within the next year because they were growth spurters. The results, in fact, showed that the growth spurters, whom the teachers expected to do well, actually did show greater improvement than the rest. The teachers' expectations actually affected student performance. As Rosenthal put it, quote, when we expect certain behaviors of others, we are likely to act in ways that make the expected behavior more likely to occur, unquote. Now, if that's true about our expectations of others, how powerful is this in our expectations of ourselves? How much of our life is self-fulfilling prophecy? How much of our faith manifests as self-fulfilling prophecy, whether our faith is in God, in ourselves, or in our eventual demise and the calamity to come? All of it combines to become self-fulfilling prophecy. Some of you may already be familiar with Viktor Frankl, and I have mentioned him in previous podcast episodes. He was a Holocaust survivor, including time spent at the prison camp at Auschwitz. Here's what he said, quote, It is a peculiarity of man that he can only live by looking to the future. Subspecie aeternitatis, which means it's an expression that describes what's universally and eternally true. So he's saying it's a peculiarity of man that we can only live by looking to the future in a way that's universally and eternally true. And then he continues, and this is his salvation in the most difficult moments of his existence. The prisoner who had lost faith in the future, his future, was doomed. With his loss of belief in the future, he also lost his spiritual hold. He let himself decline and become subject to mental and physical decay. His faith in the future and his will to live had become paralyzed, and his body fell victim to illness. Unquote. Remember, this is from a man in a concentration camp, or at least describing the experience he had in a concentration camp. So we can cultivate faith in others and in our own futures, or lower our expectations in both cases. Whichever one we do will result in that thing that we expected. Our expectations control our future. Don't argue with me. I know what I'm talking about. I can just picture somebody right now saying, well, yeah, but that's an over... No, it's not really an oversimplification. We can go through it in greater detail, and we can have a much longer podcast episode. But generally speaking, and powerfully speaking, our beliefs about our future and about ourselves will manifest themselves. So what do you do if you're in a situation where you want to ensure your own success? What if you want to make sure that the future is something that you can look forward to, not something you should dread? Let me give you some suggestions that will prove helpful. Number one, keep a gratitude journal 
Now you can just do this in a notebook on a piece of paper, or you can get an actual gratitude journal. There are some good ones on Amazon, but whatever you do, write down the things that you're grateful for some of the context around them and what they mean to you and why you're grateful. Be sure to include past successes or experiences that are an assurance of things hoped for and evidence of things not seen. We tend sometimes to believe our future will go as did our past. That's not really true, except in the case of those good things that happened. It's more often true that the good things, the things for which we can be grateful, will happen more and more frequently in the balance of our life. Number two, consciously appreciate the tender mercies of God. God often speaks to us through tiny little touches that reassure us that he is aware of us, that he knows who we are, and that he is looking out for us, even if we can't really see how the current situation is going to play out. You may be going through something incredibly difficult and think there's no end to it. Watch for the tender mercies. You'll have some reassurance that will help you with the assurance of good things to come. Number three, know that whatever happens, success is the inevitable result. Can I repeat that? Know that whatever happens, success is the inevitable result if we water that garden. If success is what we look forward to, have faith in, and seek to provide evidence of. Now this takes practice. It may not be success as you originally defined it. It may not be success as you originally pictured it. But you will be successful if you choose it. Water your garden with courage and faith, and you can look forward to a bounteous harvest and to tasting the good things to come. In the next episode, we're going to talk about this a little more as it applies to you personally. In the meantime, be grateful. Write it down. Appreciate the tender mercies of God and look for them. And know that success is about to be the inevitable result of your effort. We'll talk again soon.